Last Friday, President Joe Biden addressed a small crowd in the state dining room at the White House. The heart of American capitalism is a simple idea, open and fair competition. He was about to sign a sweeping executive order aimed at promoting more competition among U.S. businesses. Capitalism without competition isn't capitalism. It's exploitation. For Biden, it was a proud moment. He invited a number of people to join him on stage. So I'd like to invite the cabinet members up here. I'd like to, uh, the attorney general is here. Also, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra. Uh, also, uh, Pete Buttigieg. And Lena Khan, Acting chair of the FTC. Uh, am I leaving anybody out? Actually, Biden was leaving someone out. Someone whose ideas were all over the order he was about to sign and who had been working at the White House for months getting the order ready. His name is Tim Wu. He's not the guy in charge. He's not even the guy who reports to the guy in charge. But clearly he has influence. That's our colleague Ryan Tracy, who's been reporting on Wu, a law professor turned presidential advisor. After years of pushing his ideas, Wu has now left his mark on this order that could reshape much of the U.S. economy. These ideas that he's talked about in theory, there's a much greater chance, at least, of them becoming reality. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, July 16th. Coming up on the show, the man behind Biden's plan to take on big business. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Tim Wu, a key architect of Biden's executive order, has been pushing for more regulation of American companies for years and really gained notoriety in the early 2000s as an advocate for something called net neutrality. Wu even coined the term. And so net neutrality, I thought we needed to have some kind of principle that says, this is a neutral network. You are going to let people have what they want. Well, his argument was that there is this potential problem. There are some large, powerful companies that could, if they wished, put their thumb on the scale in terms of what traffic is moving at what speed and, you know, what content gets treated better than other types of content. So he wanted there to be regulations around this. And what's amazing about the net neutrality debate is it's kind of a wonky topic, but it became this rallying call. And so, you know, in part because of Tim Wu, this became a huge political issue that got a ton of attention. And, you know, he gained a little bit of celebrity around that. 
what does celebrity in this field look like? It looks like authoring books, appearing on panels. And in Tim Wu's case, it also meant getting into politics. He ran for lieutenant governor of New York in 2014 on a progressive platform. While on the campaign trail, Wu championed more aggressive antitrust enforcement. For instance, he criticized Comcast's attempt to buy Time Warner, a deal that ultimately fell apart. We need to stop this merger and start asking, why are we letting these monopolies just charge us these outrageous prices and threaten the internet, open internet? And, you know, it's a serious problem and I, I think it should be stopped. But Wu and his running mate Zephyr Teachout were soundly defeated in the Democratic primary. Wu lost his race for lieutenant governor by about 22 points. What do you think that run for lieutenant governor says about Tim Wu? Well, it tells you that he's not just an academic sitting on the sidelines writing papers, that he's someone who moves into the role of advocate. So Wu went back to his full-time academic life and advocacy, and he continued to use his celebrity to push his ideas. I sat down with Columbia University law professor Tim Wu, who was the man who coined the term net neutrality. And to make it even more interesting, I sat down with him on the nitro roller coaster at Sid Flag's Great Adventure, Jim. In June 2016, he appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. What is the principle that the internet is a utility and should be treated this all traffic on the internet should be treated the same? But it wasn't just late-night television that took an interest in Wu. The Obama administration adopted his net neutrality recommendations. And toward the end of Obama's second term, Wu helped write an executive order that took aim at big business. It outlined steps to increase competition across the economy and took this position that the White House should be encouraging federal agencies, federal regulators to look for competition problems and to try to use their legal authorities to do something about them. So some of these wheels were beginning to turn at the end of the Obama administration, uh, but it turned out that Democrats weren't going to be in power for very long. And so what happened when Trump took office? When Trump took office, he went about repealing a lot of the regulations that Obama had put in place. He reversed two of the regulations that had sort of flowed from the executive order on competition. And more broadly, the Trump administration wasn't that concerned about economic concentration being a problem. You know, the Trump administration's perspective was that the Obama administration had adopted way too many regulations going way overboard in terms of government getting involved in the dealings of business. The policies Wu had advocated for were reversed, including net neutrality. And he was back on the outside. Then he took his thinking about corporate America a step further. In 2018, he published a book arguing that economic concentration across industries was increasing income inequality and threatening democracy. So he wrote a book called The Curse of Bigness that looks back at the early 20th century when U.S. antitrust laws were written. And, you know, this was a time when you had Standard Oil and 
giant railroads and a lot of big monopolies, these companies that had tremendous power. And the government stepped in and said, these companies have too much power and we need to sort of take back the power and break them up and create more competition. Timbu has a very positive view of that. And he went back on TV to promote his book. We are living in an era where so many industries are dominated by, by either a monopolist or, or an oligopoly of just a few companies, where in many ways citizens and consumers are sort of powerless in, in the face of something much stronger, more powerful than they are. Uh, to, to you know, the first time that I met him was at a congressional hearing where he handed me a copy of the book because he had a few he was carrying around with him in his backpack. Did you ask him for the book? No. So he's just, like, handing him out, like, a T-shirt toss at a basketball game or something? I don't know if he was throwing him around like Frisbees, but I expressed interest in those topics, and so he was prepared for that moment and, and gave me something he thought I ought to read. And this was kind of part of his evangelizing his ideas. To me, it showed that, you know, this is someone who, you know, wants to be at the center of the debate and wants to get his message out there. Wu had already written a more academic paper detailing how a future White House could undo what he called a new gilded age. He pointed out that there are agencies across the government that have regulatory authorities and they could interpret the laws in a way that would allow them to go after a concentration in the industries they oversee. So it was sort of a roadmap for what a future administration could do if they wanted to get involved in this. And during the 2020 Democratic primary, several candidates appeared to embrace Wu's ideas. We need a president who has the guts to appoint an attorney general who will take on these huge monopolies. As president of the United States, I will put people in place uh, that enforce antitrust laws. I'm not willing to give up and let a handful of monopolists dominate our economy and our democracy. It's time to fight back. But Joe Biden on the campaign trail was more moderate. And when he secured the nomination in the presidency, it wasn't clear where his administration would land on regulating big business. So there was some surprise when Wu joined the Biden administration as a special assistant on technology and competition. So for Biden to bring him on, you know, this really prominent critic of big tech and of corporate concentration generally, it signaled that, you know, he was sympathetic to some of these ideas that were getting a lot of traction on the left and that, that Biden, by bringing on someone like Tim Wu, might be headed in a different direction. Where that different direction would lead? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Volvo Cars. Distractions happen, but there are things that can help you stay focused like the fully electric seven-seater Volvo EX90. It was made to help keep you and those around you on the road safe with LiDAR technology that can see what you sometimes can't and a two-camera driver understanding system designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. 
Visit volvocars.com slash US to learn more. And so Wu arrived at the White House in March. Who did he start talking to and what kind of ideas were they generating? Well, right after he arrived, work really began on this executive order. He and other staffers reached out to agencies across the federal government and said, we want to do an executive order on competition. Tell us your ideas. And they started coming up with a list and they started crafting an order that the president could sign. Can you explain why they reached out to these regulatory agencies? Like, you know, what powers do these agencies have? These are the agencies that actually have the authority to do things, to, you know, sue a company in court or write a regulation that a company has to follow. The White House itself can't really do that. You know, it needs to work through the federal agencies. So if you're going to do something like this executive order and you want things to actually happen, you've got to make sure that you're on the same page with the people who are going to actually do it. And that's why they started there. Four months after Wu arrived at the White House, President Biden was inviting members of his cabinet on stage for that signing ceremony. This executive order is a broad agenda to try to crack these, you know, perceived monopolies or oligopolies. What we've seen over the past few decades is less competition and more concentration that holds our economy back. We see it in big agriculture, in big tech, in big pharma. The list goes on. And so there's a laundry list, dozens and dozens of different potential regulations, of studies to do, of reports to write, and they range across a whole host of different industries. You know, from drug companies and the way that generic drugs come to market to hearing aids. It also gets into areas like the beer, wine, and spirits industry. The administration really didn't leave anything out. This sweeping executive order on competition even gets into something as specific as airline baggage fees. Tim Wu would say that because there are only a handful of large airlines, they can get away with things that they might not be able to get away with if there was more competition. So what the White House wants in terms of baggage fees has to do with the disclosure of those fees when you fly. You know, how much is the airline telling you about what your bag is going to cost? You know, does the airline refund your money when the bag gets delayed? But interestingly, this wasn't just about businesses' relationship with their consumers. It also took on businesses' relationship with their employees. That's right. And there are a lot of employment contracts where the employer says to the employee that they can't leave their job to go to a competing company. These are called non-compete clauses. The concern is that if you're a worker and you've got a clause like that in your contract and you work at, say, one fast food restaurant and you want to leave for another fast food restaurant that's going to pay you more, well, you might not be able to do that because you signed this contract, perhaps without even realizing that that clause was in there. And this is one of the things that, in his speech, the president got kind of excited about. Come on. Is there a trade secret about what's inside that patty? (laughs) No, but I'm serious. And that has the effect, in the president's view, of holding down wages because the second fast food chain doesn't have to pay that higher wage that they would have to attract this worker away. And this happens in a number of industries 
The idea in the executive order is that the government could somehow limit these types of clauses from being in employment contracts. The order also includes a provision on the issue that first put Tim Wu in the spotlight all those years back, net neutrality. It calls on the Federal Communications Commission to restore net neutrality rules, to stop Internet service providers from slowing down certain types of content or traffic. So how did business receive Biden's executive order? Well, critics said a few things about this executive order. For a lot of people, the antitrust laws as they are now are working fine. And that, you know, frankly, that big isn't a bad thing. That if there's a large airline that can coordinate flights around all sorts of different destinations, that that's a good thing for consumers. That, you know, if there's a company like Amazon that can provide these amazing services, it's okay for Amazon to be big. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce said this idea that there's too much concentration of power is out of touch with reality. Quote, our economy needs both large and small businesses to thrive, not centralized government dictates. And there also is a lot of concern in the business community about overregulation. You know, we heard the tech companies talk about, look, we offer all these free products, but if you start putting all these rules and restrictions on us, you're threatening our ability to do that. You're raising our costs. And so we can certainly expect to see a lot of pushback as these policies actually start to get rolled out. And so this executive order is basically tasking these regulatory bodies to address these issues. Like, for example, it calls on the Department of Health and Human Services to consider rules within 120 days to allow hearing aids to be sold over the counter. Where we go from here is these regulatory agencies will have to drive this change. That's right. You know, this order doesn't in and of itself put any rule into effect. The White House can't do that. But when you have the president encourage you to do something or tell you to consider something and you're just a little old regulator, it's hard to ignore that. And so certainly the expectation is that this will lead to some agency action. Uh, But that can take time. That can take years to actually write the rules. Once the rules are written, there can be legal challenges that could gum them up or repeal them altogether. So it could be a long time before average Americans start to see any difference in their lives. That's right. It could be a long time. And Tim Wu himself, like, wasn't in the photos with Biden at the signing, right? Right. Is he getting credit for this, or is he just happy to see it being done? Well, our story will help him get credit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) In a way, it was what he was dreaming about when he left the Obama administration and President Trump came in. But in another way, it's also just the beginning, right? It doesn't in and of itself bring about the change that he wants to see. And the challenge now is following through and bringing these rules into reality. So there's a whole lot of challenges ahead for him and his allies. But, you know, at the moment, Tim Wu and the people who agree with him are having their moment. That's all for today, Friday, July 16th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knutson and me, Kate Leinbaugh. The show is produced by Katherine Brewer, Pia Gadkari, 
Martin Kessler, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Matthew Sherman, Annie Rose Strasser, and John White. Our engineers are Peter Leonard, Griffin Tanner, and Nathan Singapak. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Billy Libby, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, Peter Leonard, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.